0: And Fort City, such a delight to be back here with you, Uh, those who are gathered here, those who are joining online. And we just love this church, love the mission of this church. You know, it's described even on your webpage as a faith community that is desiring to have an impact for the gospel in the community beyond us. That's a great vision. And I hope you know you've got great leaders here and your pastoral staff, your lead pastor, the vision. This is a, a place for people to come as you are, with your stuff not all figured out. And that is how Jesus welcomes people. And there's good things going on here. Now that's quite a title for a sermon on the screen, isn't it? Overcoming shame. Yeah, what a good time we're going to have today. That's not sarcasm. We are going to have a good time today. If you've got a Bible, whether it's paper or digital, I invite you to turn to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. This is a... Psalm of the Soul, for all you tough guys out there, you oil sand workers and the ladies too. This is a Psalm of the Soul, where we could get to go deep. And who wrote this Psalm? Well, David did. David. He was a warrior. He killed hundreds and thousands of people in battle. He's like a a braveheart kind of movie warrior. He was also a poet. He was a lover. He was one of these manly mans from thousands of years ago. And, and he writes this psalm, and I'm going to read um, verse 1 to 5, and then verses 16 to 22. And, and have a listen, friends. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 25, verse 1. In you, Lord, I, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. Shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And then from verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me, For I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my afflictions and my distress. Take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame. For I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me. Because my hope Lord is in you. deliver Israel O God from all their troubles. So that is the word of the Lord here today and it's a it's a psalm of the soul. Where do you go in life when your soul, your internal world is in anguish or is in is in confusion or is in pain or wants to escape what do you what do you do with that part of your life? What do you do? when your soul is not well. Well, that is what Psalm 25 is, and it's bookended by this theme of shame. In the first couple of verses, shame is mentioned. And then in the last couple of verses, there it is again. And if you're a good student of the Scriptures, you know if there's a theme here and a theme there, that provides the context of what God is really going after here. And sometimes... Tough men don't like to talk about the soul. Well, David wasn't that way. The warrior, the fighter, the sheep farmer. He killed wild beasts with his bare, bare hands. And he was a poet. And he found his God to be very accessible to go to in the harder moments of life. You know, Psalm 25 is what we know to be, if I can advance my slide here, a psalm of lament what is a psalm of lament? A psalm of lament kind of starts out like like this. God, my life sucks. I don't like where things are at. But instead of running away from God or rebelling, they they take, the psalmist takes their lament, the problems of their life, to their creator God. And most psalms of lament end with some kind of resolution. And yet you are God. And you are the one who redeems my pain. And this is one of those psalms. Did you know that 68 out of the 150 psalms, that's 45%, are psalms of lament? They're not the happy, happy, joy, joy psalms. Everything's wonderful. You know, unicorns and rainbows. No. It's life is difficult, God, and where are you? And I like that statistic. 45%. It's not a majority, but it's a strong minority, isn't it? And that tells us, that tells you, that the heart of your God welcomes your pain to be brought to him, your confusion, your disillusionment, even your shame. So let's talk about shame. It's not a word that we we use um, in serious language. We might go, shame, shame, or something like that. But, But what is shame? Well, did you know that the word shame is used 46 times in the Psalms? That's a fairly pervasive theme. And if you look at Genesis 1 and 2, when God created humanity, there they were. They were naked and felt no shame. When I proposed to my wife, Terry, yes, many decades ago, I opened up a Bible and it said, you know, a man shall not live alone. It's not good for a man to be alone. And I closed my Bible, got down on my knee and asked her to marry me. And then in the hotel room on our wedding night, I... I opened a Bible, and I read the next verse, which says, and uh, and they were both naked and felt no shame. And I closed my Bible. And that's as far the story as I'm going to tell here today in front of all of you. I'll tell you that. But they, were, they felt no shame in their bodies, in their personalities. They were who they were, and they, they recognized it was good. And then Genesis 3 comes along. And what are the first two emotions after... Adam and Eve turned their backs to God. What are the first two emotions known to humanity? Fear and shame. They were fearful of God, and they were shameful towards one another. They were embarrassed. Shame is a social dynamic. Guilt is personal. Guilt is personal to God, but shame is relational. And this is why... Um, So many of us, we, we may have confessed a sin or a category of sins to the Lord, but yet we still feel shame because it's relational to other people. Well, the good news of the gospel is Jesus did not just bear your guilt, he also takes our shame, and that's what we want to talk about here today. So what is shame? Shame is that sense that you can all probably relate to in one degree, to one degree or another. It's that sense of feeling inadequate, that sense of feeling vulnerable, that sense of feeling illegitimate. And this was was certainly my story as well for much of my life, until my shame was redeemed by the work of Jesus, his work on the cross, his resurrection, and we'll talk about that here today. There was a voice in my head that had the similar theme all through my life. Now, my brief story is I was uh, adopted at a very young age and into a decent Christian home. But nonetheless, I had this voice all my life long that I brought into my marriage and my fathery and my leadership. And the little voice said this, You don't belong here. If people only knew the real you. You're not legitimate. You shouldn't be in this room. It's like that voice was always there. That's how it affected me. It may not be the same for you, but shame is rooted in this. I am what I am. I'm helpless. I can't be changed. I'm stuck with this broken person, and therefore I experience shame. And Shame is a powerful thing because it devalues your emotions. It says your emotions are even the wrong emotions. Your voice is the wrong voice. Your body is the wrong body. Your sexuality is the wrong sexu- sexuality. It just goes on and on and on. Well, where does this shame come from? Aside from merely Genesis 3, like where, where does it find its roots? Well, from a variety of categories. This probably isn't an exhaustive list, but maybe one or more of these relates to your story in your life. No, in Psalm 25, David, he has enemies coming after him. It could be a military exchange. And he is saying, oh, Lord, do not let us be brought to shame. Do not let us be defeated. So it can have that element of not wishing the world around you to defeat you. Shame can come through trauma, abuse, neglect, whether it's physical or emotional or sexual. Did you know that the webpage sexassault.ca reports that 25% of women in North America have been sexually abused, and 60% of this occurs under the age of 17. 17% of girls have experienced some form of incest, and 15% of sex assault victims are boys under the age of 16. So in a room this size, and statistics tell us the statistics are not that dramatically different inside the church versus outside the church, There would be many of you here in this room that have something of this in your background. And I have a good news message for you. Jesus can bear your shame for you. It can come through discrimination, through racial issues, or gender, economic um, status, etc. Or the objectification of people. This is a big one. Pornography objectifies a male or a female person. Or slavery. Did you know there's more slavery going on today than any other time in the history of humanity? Or abortion. And if you've been someone who has participated in an abortion, that does not condemn you. Jesus can meet you there and bring healing to your life as well. Or there's relational isolation or rejection. Maybe you were bullied as a younger person or bullied today. Some churches that have a high religiosity amongst them. And I know Fort City is not one of them. It's anti-religious, thank God. But religious environments can produce an awful lot of shame, spiritual shaming. Maybe it comes from your family, your ethnicity, your culture, a culture of secrecy where things are done to you and then somebody says, don't tell anybody. That is just a root of shame ready to uh, be developed there. So how do I know if I have a root of shame deep in my soul, well, there's a there's a book called A Search for Significance by Robert McGee, and he and he talks about there being four primary kinds of fear. Four primary kinds of fear. There is I have them written down because I do forget them. There is fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of punishment, and fear of shame. I'll say it again: there's fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of punishment. And fear of shame when i was in a study program about five or six years ago part of the curriculum was that i had to meet with a christian counselor a therapist or a spiritual director and i didn't know who so i asked the director of the program just to assign somebody to me and a gal named ingrid davis was assigned to me And she heard my story you know i was rejected at birth and grew up with this like rejection identity and i don't belong anywhere and so forth and she said i'd like you to take a little a little quiz called, what she called the, the false beliefs test. And it kind of tests, based on a series of questions, what your primary fear might be. Genesis 3, don't miss this. If the primary emotions, the first negative emotions to be experienced by humanity were fear and shame, one can develop a pretty strong argument that any brokenness you're experiencing on your in, in the inner life traces back to either an agreement with fear or shame. It's like the bedrock issues. So Ingrid said, so I'd like you to take this false belief test to see what your root fear is, you know, whether it's fear of shame or fear of punishment or rejection. And I said to her, you know, don't waste your time. I'm the rejection guy. But because it was mandatory in the chorus, well, fine, I'll take your silly little test. So I took the silly little test and and guess what barely even registered on the map? Fear of rejection. And guess what won the lottery with a landslide? Fear of shame. Now as Pastor Doug said, you know, I'm this renewal catalyst guy. I help other people get free from shame. You know what the truth is of me and maybe most of us in this room? Well, I can help other people when it's my own junk, I often need someone that will hold my hand like I'm a five-year-old boy and walk me to freedom. So I said to Ingrid, Ingrid, what's shame all about? And we had a little talk, like I'm going to talk later on here in the moment. And when I came to an understanding of what shame was in my life, she said, would you like to get rid of shame in your life? And I said, yes, how do I do that? She said, why don't you renounce your agreement with shame? And then tell it to leave in Jesus' name. So she led me in the prayer. She gave me a lot of the words because I didn't have the words myself. It was something like, I renounce the lie that I am a shameful person. I renounce the lie that my, my conception was an accident. I renounce the lie that I am inherently bad. And I embrace the truth that Christ honors me. I'm his adopted son. I'm royalty for crying out loud. So shame in Jesus' name, get out of my life. Something interesting happened. I mean, me, I'm supposedly a, you know, some kind of spiritual leader, an ordained minister, all of that, all those credentials. But when I said, shame, get out of my life in Jesus' name, I saw and felt a dark entity flee from me. And those voices of, you shouldn't be here, you don't deserve to be in this circle. If people only knew you, that voice has never returned. It's gone. That's a pretty cool story. And now, the other side of that story is I was about 45, 48 when that happened. I had spent all of those years living in patterns of shame. So, although the power of shame is defeated, I am still to this day learning how to walk in new pathways that are not marked by the default of shame. Does that make sense? So, how would you like to, uh, well, we can't kind of do the group um, false fear test here, but how many of you remember Jeff Foxworthy? You you might be a redneck if, you know, you got to be kind of my age or older. Well, you might have a root of shame in your life if, You often think about past failures or experiences or rejection. You might have a root of shame in your life if there are past things that I can't recall without experiencing strong, painful emotions, i.e. guilt, shame, anger, fear. You might have a root of shame if you seem to make the same mistakes over and over again. You might if there are certain aspects of your character that you want to change but I don't believe I can ever successfully do so. If you feel inferior If there are aspects of my of your appearance that you cannot accept if you are generally disgusted with yourself whether that's your personality your mind your body if you feel that certain experiences have basically ruined your life and you're beyond hope if you perceive yourself as an immoral person and if you feel you've lost the opportunity to experience a wonderful life these all could be markers to put it negatively That there is a root of shame in your life. To put it positively, that there is more freedom for you just around the corner. And that's the good news of the gospel. Now if we don't, by Christ's kindness, allow him to root out shame in our life, what are the consequences? Well, they're pretty simple. Shame will cause me, shame will cause you to run away from God and to run away from others. Sound familiar to some of us? Or to hide from God, or hide from others. Or even if we're in the, in the place of others, we hide our true self. And when we hide our true self before God and others, it's really the loneliest place in the world. Because you can be surrounded by people, but the voice will always say, if people really knew you. Shame causes us to feel unworthy to open ourselves up to God and others, unworthy to receive from God and receive from others so in the very short time that we have here if anyone in this room would like to begin to walk a journey that Christ has purchased for you this is a front door to the gospel in the Western world often the front door is perceived as you are a sinner you must repent in order to come into relationship with Christ and while that is true it's not the only front door Increasingly around the world, the front door to the gospel is Jesus honors you. And he wishes to take your shame that he bore on the cross. So I've got five questions that you can participate here in this moment if you wish to. Five questions to overcoming shame. The first one is this. Do you believe God is trustworthy? Psalm 25.2 says, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. Do you believe that God is trustworthy? And I'm not talking about your emotional state. I'm talking about your cognitive state. Do you believe in your mind God is trustworthy? That's enough. Your emotions don't need to be there quite yet. Romans 10:11. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. If you can believe this, that God is trustworthy, I'm going to invite you to out loud make a declarative statement. I will, I will say it once, and then I will lead anyone through it who wishes to it. It's simply this. Jesus, I believe you to be trustworthy, and that you have only good things for my soul. If you wish to declare that, and it's an out loud thing, it doesn't have to be yelled, it can be under your own breath... I invite you to do this now. Let me give you the words in two sections. Jesus, I believe you to be trustworthy and that you have only good things for my soul. Second question, am I willing to say fill in the blank is true of me? This is what David does. He doesn't pretty up his soul. He says, this is the state of where I am in. So what is true of you? God does not wish for you to pretty yourself up before you come to him. In fact, that keeps you far from him. So what might you need to own? What's the reality of your life? Can you come to him with your brokenness? I mean, think of Psalm 25, our psalm here, verse 18. David says, consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. He's throwing himself bare before the Lord. Shame and all. And he comes to realize that act of coming to God in authenticity is an act of worship. Because we're saying no to the fallen nature of humanity and running to the one who can make a difference. James 5.16, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Part of the journey is getting real with God and others. With me and Ingrid, it was just simply having a conversation about, here's what's going on in my life. And I realized I had believed a lie that I was an illegitimate pregnancy. And that formed a root to my soul. And to even talk about that, I had avoided for 48 years. So who might you need to get real with? Certainly with God, but maybe with a trusted other. So are you willing to go there? That's the question. Third question, will I invite Jesus to lead me to his pathways? It's about a new pathway. You've been walking on this pathway all your life, and you know it's a pathway through the bush, but it's it's wide and the, and the dirt is hard because you've been traveling there for years and years and decades. And this is an invitation for Jesus to lead you through a bushwhacking trail. You've never been there before. It's a little awkward at first because it's overgrown but you start walking that pathway over the years the other one grows over and the new pathway becomes the new highway it's about giving him access it's about giving him access to your pain it's about giving him access to the roots that you don't know what they are but you know what the symptoms are on the dashboard. It's about giving him access to to say, Jesus, I don't know the roots, but show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. So another declarative statement that could be yours here today. And it's no small thing. It's no trite statement what I'm going to present to you. For some of you, it may be the biggest statement you've ever made to God. Here it is jesus i give you access to the deep places where roots of shame and brokenness need to be redeemed you're giving him access it's like you're opening the door to a closet that's been closed for years and you're letting his light shine in you may say i'm not sure what to do with it you don't have to you're letting him shine the light in. if you want to make that statement i'll give it to you in two parts jesus i give you access to the deep places where roots of shame and brokenness need to be redeemed. Fourth question, will I embrace the exchange of shame for honor? Now this is the good news of the gospel. We get to trade with God. We get to give him our junk and he gives us gold and treasure. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god isaiah 61 7 instead of your shame there shall be a double portion instead of dishonor they shall rejoice in their lot therefore in their land they shall possess a double portion and they shall have everlasting joy are you willing to embrace a deal that is infinitely great for you and it's good for god as well because you know what he wants he wants your heart he wants you all to be in relationship with him. Even the ugly parts, even the parts that you're shameful of. So here's here's a prayer for you, even in this moment. It would go like this. Jesus, I choose to receive your honor in exchange for my shame. That's the statement. And when you go to him in your own quiet time, or when you go to him in a communion service, these are the kinds of things we can bring to him. Not just our sin, but also our shame. So if you wish to pray that prayer, I'll give it to you in two parts here. Jesus, I choose to receive your honor. In exchange for my shame. Question five. Will I submit to his work of renewing my mind? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what am I I teaching here? I'm teaching what was was and is my experience that there is a power of shame. It can be a a scheme of the enemy that needs to be defeated, sort of once and for all in our lives, and then resisted as we stand upon the truth of God's word. And subsequent to that, there is a process of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's both. It's not that we walk out of here and it's all fixed. The power can be defeated, but then we continue on our journey as Christ followers, as Christ is formed in us. And I'm not the the same guy I was before shame was kicked out of me, but I'm also not the same guy that I will be, God willing, five years from now, because I'm still learning how to walk on pathways that are founded on Christ honors me rather than the shame I feel. So to close our time, I have that kind of declarative prayer to invite you in. There's two slides to it, and I'm going to invite you, if you wish, to stand as maybe a person who has never personalized the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that speaks to your shame, not just to your guilt, but also to your shame. And if this speaks to you, I would invite you to, with under no obligation to pray together, to to declare together out loud. Here we go. I choose to embrace the honor given to me by Jesus Christ through his work on the cross. It is there that he carried and defeated the power of shame in my life. So in Jesus' name, I rebuke and resist the root of shame and choose to embrace my new identity as a child of God a co-heir with Christ and loved by my Heavenly Father I ask you Jesus to chase the spirit of shame out of my life and displace it with more of your presence I give you access Jesus to the deep and still broken places in my soul and invite you to heal me and lead me along righteous pathways. Grant me wisdom and understanding that I would know you better. Teach me to think according to your thoughts, to love myself as you love me, and to love others as I love myself. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me while I was yet a sinner and even before I could begin to love myself. I receive the honor you have purchased for me. And I say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And reveal Christ to every daughter and son of the King in this room. Come and reveal Christ to anyone in this room who has not come into relationship with you. And go deep, Jesus. Go deep. That we would know you deeply. And out of the deepest places of our soul, there would be hope. And joy and peace it transcends our understandings and even our experiences and all God's people said amen amen you may have a seat